Oh my goodness, we've done it again! What? Oh wait, no. <laughs> we'll stop making a big deal of recording uh, starting uh, now. But we're going to celebrate milestones. Oh, that's true. It's 2020. we got to celebrate. <laughs> okay, so next year. Next year we'll stop <laughs> celebrating these milestones. Let's talk about women! Woo! Inspiring and empowering women, including... Or women who ident- identify as women. This very true. Real quick. Sarah Fuller. Oh, what a queen. She's awesome. The first woman to play in a Power 5 conference football game. And she's a Texan with ties to TCU. Um, so we stand all around. She's also not here for your sexist bullshit because, uh, yes, we understand that if she was a linebacker, it might be more impressive. But in general, the whole idea is is Vanderbilt had no one better to kick the football than her. They were all in quarantine. Their entire kicking core was in quarantine. There was no one on campus and the soccer team had just won the SEC championship. And they said, Sarah, what up? Uh, and she's, like, a badass goalie who, like, still has a year of eligibility, so she's going to keep on playing soccer, too, in graduate school. Like, so what a badass. she is a hero, uh, to everyone that ever played football with the guys, including me, in, uh, elementary school. I was that girl who was like, yeah, let's play 500 Dead or Alive. I am so ready for this game. Yes, that was me. Hi. Nice to meet you. Kate Chira. Um, the Biden-Harris Senior Communications Team. All women. And a lot of representation. Yes. And very diverse women as well. Look, we get it. We're two white girls. We understand. But at the same time, um, I 100% want you to hire somebody else who has a different perspective than me if they are also in the candidacy for the position. If we are equally qualified... You need them more than me. Yeah. I'll figure something out. We always end up on our feet, right? It's true. Um, but literally just like the fact that all the senior communications team is women is just, we stand. I mean, well, and also like you and I both have degrees in communication. Mm-hmm. It's true. So with that, it is very much a female dominant, mm-hmm. uh, degree yeah. process. And so it's not so much that we are representing females, but based off of our research, Uh, there are more females in the field than males, so it is actually representative of our own experience. 100%. So, also, and we may, I don't know what Kate has added to the script since I last saw it, (laughs) so we may end up talking about her again, but Ahsoka Tano, the queen herself, has now made her way into the Mandalorian. I only added to this section, just okay. FYI. We're nice. Um, and also, if you're not watching the Mandalorian, like literally, what are you doing with your life? It's one of the best things on TV, streaming, whatever you want to call. But it's, Disney Plus. Yeah, it's on Disney Plus. It's one of the best things, and probably one of the best parts of Star Wars IP in general. Oh yeah. So one of my friends, I actually just gave him access to my Disney Plus account. And with it, I said that he has to watch, one, Hamilton, duh, and two, he had to watch Mandalorian, but he's watching all of Star Wars again from the beginning, and I was like, fine, but you have to let me know your first impressions of Mandalorian once you get there, because it's one of those things where us as fans of things um, can probably relate, is I wish I could go back and not have seen Hamilton again. I wish I could go back and not have seen Mandalorian again. Yeah, it, well, it's like when you see someone reading Harry Potter for the first oh. time, and you're like, I, oh. what is that like? <laughs> like, I read the first Harry Potter book in sixth grade. Like, did I know it was going to be Harry Potter? Like, no, nobody knew it was Harry, Harry no. Potter was going to be Harry Potter in 1999. Nobody knew that. And to be you know 11 years old at the time and just be like this book this book is really popular right now it's on the bestsellers list whatever cool and now 20 plus years later it is what it is and it's like what what was my 11 year old thought process when I was reading this did I love it immediately like what (laughs) to go back and be to read Harry Potter (laughs) we're uh, practicing Francis's (laughs) editing real quick after a moment of Slight panic. We're back. Um, no. Not that you will notice. You'll never know. <laughs> Anywho. Okay. <laughs> My <laughs> offline. What is happening? Anywho. 
All right. <laughs> so, Ashoka Tano, uh, I will say, although I know you recommend seeing The Clone Wars and Rebels. I have not watched all of The Clone Wars. I have only watched um, the most recommended. You know we've talked about binge mode several times. Um their Facebook group, several people have made a list of like the most essential Clone Wars episodes so you don't have to watch. And it's in a different order than release order so that it makes sense chronologically. Hmm. So I have watched like the most essential uh, Clone Wars episodes and I've watched most of the Ahsoka-centric Rebels episodes. And I didn't enjoy Clone Wars while I was watching it, but in hindsight I did. So I think if I rewatched it, I'd probably enjoy it. I know that one of our mutual friends, Callie. Hey, Callie. How's it going? What's up, Callie? Um, <laughs> she is a big Clone Wars fan. Yeah. And she actually shares my Disney Plus account also. <laughs> and Ashoka was the one that... Ahsoka? Is Ahsoka? Ahsoka. Ahsoka is the one that, he, that she chose. As her. Um, as her avatar. Default, yeah. So... Um, and I just really want to shout out Rosario Dawson because, holy crap, look incredible. She killed it. Seriously, if like if you are just tuning in to Mandalorian to see her, it's worth the wait to 100%. see her. Yeah, but you need to watch all of the Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah like, watch everything. Leading don't just it. watch that one episode because it won't make sense and you won't appreciate Baby Yoda and his possible great, evilness, pure greatness, or evil. You might be evil if you we'll are. We'll talk about this later. <laughs> Just remember, or you can go back to last episode. There is some proof, but uh, we'll talk about it later. The last two episodes, yeah. Anywho. We'll get back to it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we might have actually made a theory that's true. So, we'll um, see. Anywho. This is the exciting part of making a theory while something's still on TV. That was the point. So, yes. this, this was our thought process. Like, we, we started the idea for this podcast while Game of Thrones was still on. Right. I have a Game of Thrones theory I could expand on. Again. But, like, maybe we're going to... We both have Harry Potter theories that we just love to expand on. So the whole idea (laughs) is is that, like, this is the only one that we've given you so far that is currently happening. It's true. But at the same time, um, there are some really good, like, kind of similar ideas out there, but not many podcasts. So thanks for joining us again. Yay. Um, Switching gears. Yeah. It is the end of 2020, so we well, it's are... the last month of 2020. Uh, as of record, we are December 5th recording. Last calendarized month of, de- of 2020. I feel like if... 2020 is going to bleed It's going to keep going. <laughs> it really is. Until we are all vaccinated, like, it's just going to keep going. January 1st does not make 2020 no. end. It will never Janu- stop happening. January 20th. Flip oh, the yeah. switch. Oh, yeah. There's going to be a big change on January 20th. I but will, it's still not going to be 2021. <laughs> I, I will be in D.C. on January 20th if anyone wants to hang out. But uh, there's like six followers of this podcast. Yeah. So, anywho. Anyway, so it's the end of 2020 and everyone is uh, getting their Spotify 2020 wrapped. Um, Kate uses Apple m- Music, but she has both. So she's going to talk about what's on her 2020 wrapped. And then I will tell you all about Billie Eilish. Uh, yeah, so um, I do technically have both because I uh, invest in things that I don't use all the time. But um, no, for honesty, uh, Spotify, I do believe, has the best interface for podcast cons- consumption when you want to listen to it chronologically because Apple Music instead puts it as the most recent first. And so if you were trying to go back in time and re-listen something, which is something I actually did this past summer... Um, Guys, my claim to fame is if you listen to our podcast and My Favorite Murder, I I am the person who listened to 16 hours straight of My Favorite Murder while on a road trip. And yes, it does feel like you are the Uber driver to two podcast hosts <laughs> while you listen to one podcast straight while driving. I was driving from Montana, if you remember from one of our first podcasts, that's where I was. Uh, back to Texas, and I actually re-binged some of my favorite murders. So it worked chronologically. Otherwise, yes, I do listen to Apple Music when I want to listen to music. And um, my main top listens were, no surprise to me, uh, Taylor Swift, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Leslie Odom Jr., 
And uh, no, not junior. He's not junior, yeah, is he? he? Is. Oh, he is. Okay, good. Sorry. There's a basketball player also called uh, whatever. Um, and basically all of Hamilton. So uh, zero surprises on my top playlist. I will say my Spotify playlist was completely controlled by one of my friends, Alex, on a road trip. And I have absolutely no idea who any of the musicians were <laughs> on it. I have zero ideas to it. So, Yeah. What about you, Francis? Somehow, Hamilton did not make my top five anywhere on Spotify. I I think mostly because I listened to Hamilton in Apple Music or Amazon Music because I could listen to it in order without, because I don't pay for Spotify. I'm still on that free shit. Um, hmm. So Hamilton did make my top five, just not on Spotify. But literally all of my, my top five songs were Billie Eilish songs. Um on brand. Very on brand. Um, I think maybe my number one song actually was uh, Sufjan Stevens, but mm. that's because I've got a really good sleep playlist that I listen to every night. And nice. so like Billie Eilish and Sufjan or like chill, Death Cab for Cutie was in my top five, like just lots of chill music to listen to while you're asleep. <laughs> while we're talking about Billie <laughs> Eilish, we'll talk about some other stuff later on. I did just share with Francis, the Masked Singer, uh, covering Billy. Oh my Billie God! Eilish. The Sun absolutely nailed it. It's so good. It was so amazing. I mean, I'm not the person that's going to cry during music. I'm sorry, even if all the uh, judges were. But uh, it was so good. It was incredible. She was like, "In case you don't watch the Masked Singer," and sent me this clip, and I was like, "Who's it going to be?" And um, I was like, "Oh my God, who?" Who is the, I thought it was Lady Gaga for a hot minute. I was like, is this Gaga singing Billie Eilish? Because that's just going to make my head explode. Um, but I don't think it's Gaga anymore. I did some internet research. The big theory is that the sun is Leanne Rhymes. I support this theory as someone who used to listen to country. I don't disagree. I think it. it's been a long time since I've heard Leanne Rhymes' song, music. So I... Don't think it's impossible because I do remember her having kind of a smoother voice like that. Mm -hmm. um, the other theory is that it's Carrie Underwood. And I'm like, that's not Carrie Underwood's voice at all. I have seen Carrie Underwood live and it did not sound the same. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's also where Leanne Rhymes is probably the type of person just branding off of the typical people who are on uh, yeah. Mass Singer uh, trying to re-up mm -hmm. her recognition. And nothing better to do right now than recognize the fact that her voice is spectacular. Mm -hmm. uh, and that can allow for some crossover. So yeah. we support the sun, whoever you are. Yeah. But, More um, power to you, girlfriend. You're I think we it. both subscribe to the idea that it's Leanne Rhymes right now. There is a third possibility that it's Demi Lovato. And I don't disagree with that one either. I could see how it could be Demi Lovato. I think... I'm more in the Leanne Rhymes camp, but I would not be surprised if it was Demi Lovato. As someone who listened to Camp Rock and watched the movie on multiple occasions, oh, I watched it so much. <laughs> I can understand it, but I think also, once again, resurgence of career. Oh, 100%. Makes me yeah, still I'm, lean more on Leanne Rhymes. Yeah. No offense to the mass singer. We know, yes, you had Lil Wayne on you. Yes, you also had... Uh, was a weird guy this year. Uh, he was in. Oh gosh. Um, I know Jojo Siwa was on it. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> and Chloe Kim was one of the ones recently. But it is the guy who played the wrestler, and he's also the guy that was in Iron Man Two as the villain in Iron Man Two, who had long stringy hair. Mickey Rourke. Oh, Mickey Rourke was on The Masked Singer. Good and for him. Yo, no, he was actually hilarious this season. I don't know. This is obviously out of context. But he did his present, his his song, and then he got so frustrated by wearing the mask that he just took it off. He wasn't even the one that was voted off. He just decided to take it off. It was hilarious. Uh, very much on brand for pop culture. But anywho. Love that. Uh, yeah, Masked Singer. I, I highly recommend it. And, um... If not, uh, we will let you know who the sun ends up being because I do think the sun's going to win the whole thing. Literally, Google, YouTube, whatever. Find this video. It's incredible. Yep. Um, anyway, although this isn't necessarily a Christmas-themed episode despite it being December 5th. Uh, because unlike Halloween, we want to acknowledge that there are 
a couple impending holidays. We want to wish you happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Boxing Day, and so many other holidays that are taking place this month and early, early January. Also, end of 2020. Um, Thank God. <laughs> so on that note, let's talk about our favorite Christmas songs, Francis. Um, uh, I think I'll go first. And I think only there are basically two songs that define Christmas to me. And um, maybe you can think about this as like a snapshot into my life. But uh, the movie Love Actually left a pretty impressive it's role in my life. Yes. And so not only is All I Want for Christmas is you. Duh. But also Christmas is all around. I um, mean, the little girl oh, yeah. in Love Actually, her voice every time gives me chills. Also, fun fact, I listened exclusively to the Love Actually soundtrack for a solid three months in high school. It was uh, so good. It wasn't even December, probably. No. It's <laughs> such a good soundtrack. No, it's so good. The soundtrack is fantastic. But in general, I mean, they made a Christmas song that I can still pretty much recite to this day. It's a good one. That uh, was, it, like, Christmas is all around is such a classic. <laughs> it is such a classic, even if I never had to listen to Love is All Around or whatever the original was that we all don't know. But uh, Richard Curtis, um, Chef's Kiss to you, because that movie is pretty much fantastic. And um, I will admit, every holiday, I imagine marrying the Prime Minister of England, only if it's played by Hugh Grant. Uh, Boris Johnson, no thank Get you. Get out. But uh, Hugh Grant, uh, you can call me anytime. Hall pass. It's a, it's a, Francis, what about you? That's a good hall pass. Oh, it's a fantastic <laughs> one. I don't care how old you are, you are going to age like wine, which I'm drinking right now. So I originally had two Christmas songs as well, um, but late yesterday I was made aware of a Hanukkah song that is pretty much my new favorite song of the moment, and maybe I'll talk about it again later in the episode, but my first song is Christmas Tree by Lady Gaga. It is hysterical, it makes me laugh every time I listen to it, but it has such a good beat. It is such a bop. Um, highly recommend. I don't apologize for loving it. So my new favorite song is Puppy for Hanukkah by the one and only David Diggs. <gasps> Aww. I just learned about this gem of a song and I cannot get enough. It features a corgi puppy in the video and precious little mixed Jewish children. Did it just come out? I just became aware of it yesterday. Okay. So and I think... When I watched the video on YouTube, it said, like, it had been posted within eight hours. So oh, awesome. I legitimately think it is a brand new song. If you have not heard it or seen the video, please do yourself a favor. It's a good one. You're going to be singing it all the time. <laughs> and if you just want to hear someone else from Hamilton sing uh, holiday songs, Leslie Odom Jr. just released his Christmas album, too. So uh, not to take away from David Diggs, because... Oh my god, the kids in David Diggs' video are so, so cute. cute. I'm like, yeah, I want a half Jewish kid now too. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> but I mean, hey, Jewish guys slide into my DMs, I guess. No. Um, and then for like a classic regular Christmas song, uh, I love Carol of the Bells. I think Carol of the Bells is such a pretty song. Um, if I had to pick a specific artist, I would pick Pentatonics. Um, but really any version of Carol of the Bells makes me happy, so... I, just I think, I think Carol of the song. Bells is one of those songs, though, that we all think we know the words to. Oh, nobody knows the song. Okay, good. Words. I just want to make sure. Absolutely. I was like, I'm the one going. <laughs> unless you, unless you sang it in a choir every year growing up. Was that you? No. Okay, I can't sing to save my life. I just want to make sure. Um, I'm not tone deaf. I just don't trust my. Oh, voice. I'm tone deaf. My one of my college roommates was tone deaf. It was painful. I don't um, sing. So it's okay. Well, you're not one of my college roommates, so I know. But it's like <laughs> tone deaf people. We can be painful, but sometimes we just we're just painful to ourselves. Yeah, but when you're painful around other people, oh, it's painful. never, never. No, she was painful around okay. other people. Anyhow. Anyway, what was your shameless pop culture consumption for the past few weeks, Kate? All right, so I got a couple of you guys. So uh, buckle up. I'm here to talk for a little bit. Um, Mainly, I've had, like, pretty much two uh, big TV binges. The first one, I recommend to every single person. I posted up on Instagram, like, 90 times, it seemed like. Not really. Um, I cannot recommend The Queen's Gambit enough. Um, it is a TV show that is both enthralling, like a thriller that you'd watch, 
and absolutely relaxing. And I mean, maybe it's chess. Maybe it's the clothing because I will... It does look very aesthetically pleasing. Oh like my all the, gosh. All the pictures I've seen of it. It's, it's like a uh, Tim Burton movie, like when we were talking about those, where the colors just are the right accents to how it needs to be seen. And uh, it made me want to look at incorporating vintage clothing into my own wardrobe. Wow. Yes. Like, I That's appara- a big deal. I apparently want to buy uh, plaid dresses now because uh, eventually in the future when we're doing things in society again, uh, mentally I am prepared to go vintage. I'm so proud of you. I mean, I didn't buy anything, but I know I thought about it. Okay, but you're in. When I met you, you were like, "I'm wearing navy, white, black, and gray." It's true. These are these are the colors. It's, she worked. She worked for, as we've stated, a large company where those are very acceptable colors. It's a fruit and, stand, and she worked there a lot. Yes. and so those were like easy colors to wear and be simple with the t-shirt, and, and yeah, and it looked good. Yeah, and so, but that like. She's wearing a peach sweatshirt right now. It's true. And it's a big deal because, like I said, when I first met Kate, it was navy, gray, black, and white. I did have a gray sweater <laughs> on top of it. Initially. Usually. You did. But, uh, you yes. have on color, though. I'm trying to figure out how to accent. And uh, I will say, though, in the Queen's Gambit, she wears mainly black and white because that's the color of chessboard. So, uh, uh, spirit animal. New spirit animal. Um but yeah, as I already com- confessed earlier, I'm a huge Grant, a huge Hugh Grant fan. That's a huge a Grant fan. A huge Grant fan. That's guys. a mouthful. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so uh, I know. I think I might have mentioned this before, but I'm watching The Undoing. It's over now, and uh, I refuse to spoil it for anyone. But if you're listening to this podcast, you're like Francis and I, and you like predicting things that are going to happen before they do. And that is literally what it's like watching that show from the first episode is you talk yourself into so many different theories throughout the duration of it. Um, And you get to see Hugh Grant. So if you watch Notting Hill, uh, which I think both of us did. Oh, my God. Francis has not seen Notting Hill, you guys. This is a huge... Holy crap. Uh, We're going to pause real quick and I'm going to make her watch that movie because this is a huge, huge deal. Okay. Um, At least she's seen Love Actually. Anywho. uh, And Nicole Kidman's in it. Um, So I really, really recommend uh, going and watching that. I'm not going to spoil it. But if you want to uh, tweet me and talk to me about it, I am available on Twitter. Okay, um, I know Francis and I kind of already talked about this earlier today, but we wanted to kind of bring it into this because podcasts are obviously part of pop culture now. And one of the podcasts I recently listened to is called Even the Rich, and it has Britney Spears in it. And um, I gotta say, there's some weird stuff going on with her conservatorship. Is that the right way of saying it? Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, her dad basically controls her entire estate and everything that she does. And um, it's weird because she is apparently mentally unstable to make her own life decisions but she can perform multiple world tours and have a vegas residency because vegas is where the mentally stable go to reside uh yeah so i definitely was surprised by what i learned from that podcast and i would highly recommend it they've also covered like um Megan and Diana, which is awesome. They've covered uh, some of the Kennedys, things along those lines. Uh, but the Britney Spears one was different because like, then I fell down the rabbit hole of Instagram because that's where everyone talks about like hashtag free Britney. And um, I don't think she is capable of making a lot of her own life decisions from her Instagram. Um, she will post a photo that she then hashtags and like comments on and says, this is three months old. I'm, I just got around now to posting it. But if you scroll back a couple weeks, she posted it two weeks prior and four weeks prior and a month prior and right when it happened. And so it's this weird thing where it's like, um, why are you celebrating having done something three months ago, but now posting it now? So basically, um, I think she needs a third-party person. Yeah, I agree. Um, we were talking about this earlier, and she feels very stunted. It feels like 
she's still somewhere between 16 and 25 on any given day, um, age-wise. And that's I love Brittany. I think she's wonderful. I think she's very talented. Insanely talented. Um, she can dance like nobody's business, and her actual singing voice is incredible. Um, but the conservatorship has stunted her and I agree with Kate that she's probably not getting the best care and her dad being in charge of it is probably really not good. I just think that like if her dad has the best of intentions, um, he should be capable of making her decisions for her estate and for her, but her mental health, I think it should not be allowed that he's the only person that gets to choose her doctors because mental health, like we've talked about before is a very personal decision and with that if she doesn't have a healthy relationship with her doctor that's not going to make her life any easier yeah. but um finally my last thing that i wanted to recommend is actually more of a music recommendation uh, if you like pop music and at the same time you get distracted by it sometimes while working I really recommend Scott Bradley's Postmodern Jukebox. I found, fell down this rabbit hole as well. And it's like kind of like a jazz club of music that you recognize, but at the same time, it's just chill. So rather than like crazy distracting weekend or whoever else that you're listening to that you're just like, oh my gosh, this is a song from the 90s, like Ice Ice Baby. And you're like, okay, rather than having vanilla icing and, to me. And then a mini dance break because you're like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Instead <laughs> of that, you're like, I just wanted to like listen to the words. Um, highly recommend Scott Bradley's Postmodern Jukebox. Oh, and I uh, started buying Pokemon cards again. I just read that in our script and like almost started <laughs> laughing. Uh, yeah, I'm basically reliving my childhood. Um, I have a friend who is probably the most mon monetarily savvy person in the entire world I've ever met. Um, and he recommended Pokemon as it's going to take over more so than shoes flipping and any other kind of, uh, brand recognition. And so, uh, I know I have a binder full of old Pokemon cards underneath my house in Montana, but I am, uh, on the prowl again to try to relive my childhood. And that is what I'm doing right now. So. We millennials love the 90s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what about you, Francis? What have you been up to? So this isn't necessarily pop culture, but I picked a therap therapist this week, and I'm oh. very excited to start therapy. So because we've mentioned it before, I just wanted to give an update. I start in a couple weeks, and I'm very excited. What made you choose this therapist? Just for the <sighs> listeners who are thinking about something similar. So I had three consultations. Overall, one was in October, and when I reached back out to, like, set a schedule, I never heard back. So, in November, I found two more that I wanted to consult with. Um, I met with one of them before Thanksgiving. I really liked her. It truly was a toss-up between these two um, incredible therapists. Um, she got very deep, and I cried on her consultation, and I don't doubt that she would have been very capable of handling um, my needs, but her fees were very high. And mm -hmm. in the year of our Lord, 2020, <laughs> um, I'm just trying to save my money in case anything else crazy happens, you know? Um, and the therapist I ultimately chose is a little bit closer to my age, um, which I feel like is important for me to have someone that can at least relate to my worldview as what, millennials have gone through as a collective generation, you know, being in middle school during 9-11, being in at the end of elementary school when Columbine happened, being very aware of these huge events that happened in our world and how that's shaped our generation and how it's shaped our anxiety and mental health, I think is important. And the first therapist that I um, met with before Thanksgiving um, she was a little bit older and nothing wrong with that. I wanted someone fairly young, um, and she was still in her forties. It wasn't like she was old or anything. Um, but the one I ultimately chose, um, had a little bit cheaper fees and was a little bit closer in age to me and, um, was a little bit more conversational. So that's ultimately why I chose her, but it truly was a toss up. And I think the ultimate deciding factor was the money thing and, but I think that's, like, really important because, like, 
I, I listen to a lot of other podcasts that talk about mental health also. So mm-hmm. that's the reason why like I wanted you to talk a little bit more yeah. about this process because I think that you set out with this whole goal of being like, I know that this is something I want to improve moving forward, but these are things that I think will allow me to connect with somebody else. Mm-hmm. And like <laughs> in pop culture, you guys, uh, this is us just recently dealt with this as well is Randall, obviously played by Sterling K. Brown is black and he went to a female white therapist for a really long time. And he actually just dealt with this whole thing where he's like, I know you are a very talented therapist, but you will never relate to my mm-hmm. experience. And so like, I know we talked about this before. I think that that's important is that when you're making a life choice and a life change, mm-hmm. it is important to find somebody that you think can really relate, but also at the same time, give you uh, back what you want mm-hmm. to be giving. Yep. I agree. Um, and you know, therapy is an incredible privilege. Unfortunately, it's a privilege and it's not a right. It's not given to everyone. And especially after this year, everyone's going to need therapy. Um, but you know, sometimes it does come down to the money and that's a lot, that's a lot of the reason a lot of people don't go to therapy is because it can be really expensive. Yeah. Um, so I know I'm coming from a very privileged place and being able to say, I picked a therapist. This is huge. Um, and it took me a long time to say out loud that I needed therapy. Um, so if you are able, please reach out, get help. There's a lot of resources online, like we've mentioned. Um, but, and we're willing to like kind of steer you in the right direction too. I mean, and and therapy doesn't have to be talking to someone. It can be a dance class or Mm -hmm. an exercise class, um, Kate's got a personal trainer that she's been working with a couple week, couple days a week yep. um, recently. So there are many forms of therapy, but for me, it was actually finding a licensed professional counselor. And for you, that may be finding a dance class. And that's not out of the realm of possibility for me either. Once the world gets a little bit normal. Or <laughs> I'm really excited for you. I am. I'm really excited. I was excited that when Frances told me she was going to try to find a therapist, like I said, I think it was important how she went about this. And I think that's the same. Like if you're in that same position or you're like, I know that I'm at my point where this is something that in order for me to really live my best life I need, I think that it's, it's another muscle that we need to have trained the right way rather than just having it be something that you can injure by trying to treat it yourself. Yep. Off of that, (laughs) moving back into the world of pop culture, uh, little baby Yoda has a name, and I'd like to say, the fuck is Grogu? Absolutely not. No, no, no. Baby Yoda forever, even if Kate thinks he's evil. Uh, Grogu... (laughs) <laughs> the name Grogu honestly supports... Is disgusting. No, it supports my theory because it's like gross and goo, basically. You're just sitting there going like, wait, how is the cutest thing in the entire world named after slime, basically? Ooh, like Slime would have been a better name. <laughs> slime would have been. Uh, also, like, I will admit, I was low-key hoping that it was a female. Like, I mean, But we knew it was a, a how? male. How did we know that? Because it's been a male for 50 years, and they said he on episode one. Yeah, but at the same time, Ahsoka was the only one that actually knew his name. They didn't look, they didn't unwrap him and check to see what his He was being experimented on. They unwrapped him at some point. Um, possibly, but at the same time, how, how he's does he, 50! How does he self-identify here, okay? We support his gender <laughs> transition here. I will 100% support Grogu being like, hey, Grogu's kind of a horrible Groga. name. So I'm going to be called, like... Griselda. I, I just know. don't understand. You get Yoda, which I mean is a weird name, but I think at this point we've all accepted it. Like it's like a forty-year-old name at this yeah. point, whatever. But Yoda's really cool. Even Yaddle from the prequels that we really never hardly even see, but Yaddle's cool. And then you give us Grogu. I just don't understand. And it's hard to in my brain the first time I tried to say it. I was like Goku. No, that's Dragon Ball Z. That's not it's true. It's weird. Um, I did not finish filling out my part of the script, so I'm going to mention briefly The Crown is incredible. came out two weeks ago. 
Um, I believe you mentioned it in our last podcast. Is it hadn't excited about yeah, it, it? It hadn't come out yet. Right? Um, I binged it all that day. So good. Um, the actress they chose for Diana got her mannerisms down so well. I will and, admit, I've like I haven't watched The Crown since the first season, but because this one has Diana, I've almost thought about just watching it, just because like it looks like the stuff I actually remember. Right. Almost. I would. I know everyone you, says that you have to go back and watch. You don't it necessarily have to watch season two if you are interested in the Charles Diana saga. I would recommend going back and watching season three though, because that has more of the Charles Camilla aspect and that's such a big part of why Charles and Diana failed is because of Charles and Camilla. Okay. Um, so I would, if you're interested in the Diana storyline, um, watch season three as well, just so that you get the background of Charles and Camilla and their deep bond and y'all after the crown came out that next week, uh, Clarence house, which is the office of, um, Charles and Camilla, they posted a photo of Camilla volunteering for one of her charities and were like, we're so thankful for all the volunteers, blah, blah, blah. Um, And (laughs) we have all the distractions. Um, Can I go get another glass of wine? Yes. Okay, good. And all of the comments were like, Diana forever. And because it was literally like three days after the crown had come out. And if I like... I don't love Camilla. I think the whole situation with Camilla and Charles outside of the crown, because obviously the crown is a dramatized version of what really happened. We don't know what conversations really took place, blah, blah, blah. Um, This is all inferred and, and created from what we understand as the public. Um, But there's, there's no, there's no definitive proof that these conversations happened as are in the show. I will say, though, like, I have gone down that rabbit hole before of what the relationship was between Charles and Camilla before, as well as after he married Diana. Like, there are a lot of TV shows, and, um, I mean, when some of the stuff came out about Megan, I definitely looked Mm -hmm. into it a little bit more, and I don't, like... Diana was 19 when she married Charles. She was which very young. Is insane to think about. Like, don't get even, me wrong. Even in even in 1981, that's incredibly young. I dated a great guy when I was 19. I'm not going to lie about that kind of thing. It's not where that is something that you can uh, completely say is wrong or anything along those mm-hmm. lines. But he's, not living. He's also like 16 years older. And not living your life mm-hmm. enough by that point is, I mean, even at 31, I don't feel like I've lived enough of my life to commit to that kind of a commitment. I was going to say, and we're regular people. Like, right. We're not having to perform on the world stage. So for 30-somethings to say, we're not ready to get married. But he was also really in love with Camilla. Mm-hmm. Like he's, and, his, and his family told him, no, she's can't. she wasn't good enough. And so there, right. there is a part of Charles that you have to respect that as you, a... That you do feel sympathy for right. because he is... In a, in a position that none of us will ever understand. Well, it, we all well, we can understand wanting to please our parents mm-hmm. and wanting to do something that is based off of family values mm-hmm. for sure. Um, the difference is that we usually do it privately, mm-hmm. and where he, everything he does is public. Exactly, he is a public figure. He is the future king of England. Like it's <laughs> if, if Elizabeth ever dies, <laughs> like let's be honest. I hope, she, uh, honestly, I hope she never dies. She's wonderful. <laughs> I agree. I agree. But I mean, at the same time, like just to go back to Camilla, like I will say the moment that I gained the most respect back for Charles is after he married her mm-hmm. recently. Yeah. Because I feel like it is one of those things where even this address that she was doing mm-hmm. is where, I don't think that they're married now just because to, like, I don't know, rectify the right. loss that was done prior. Um, I think, I, yeah, they were, they're truly in love. Right. And I think they've always been in love. Exactly. However, Charles treated Diana like shit. Agreed. And that is a, an inexcusable yep. 
thing. Not that Diana was perfect in that relationship. She certainly wasn't. Like I said, they're 16 years apart. She was very young and naive. Um, but there's just, it's, it's a hard situation to try to put yourself in because like I said, none of us will ever fully understand the pr any pressure that any member of the royal family is under, especially someone who is second in line to rule I will say country. that podcast I was talking about earlier, even the rich that has Diana and Megan, there are a lot of parallels between the two mm -hmm. um, in what they walked into versus what they actually, what actualized. I think that I'll, it, it's a little bit different, obviously, because I do think Harry loves Megan more mm -hmm. than anything else in the entire world. Um, but at the same time, I don't think that it is a job because it really is a job that you walk into with the proper qualifications just based off of birth. Right. And that was what was bestowed upon Diana. Mm -hmm. And I think <laughs> we go back to like the fact that we celebrated women at the top of this podcast. Like she was someone to celebrate. Mm -hmm. She was an idol. She played by her own drum of sorts. Fashion icon. Oh, absolutely. But she didn't know what she signed up for. Because mm -hmm. at 19, you don't know what you're going to No, and, and royal engagements are so short, especially then. I mean, they had dated for maybe three months. Like, it, Goddamn. It's crazy. Nope. Um, I did a guy once for a week, and he told me he loved me, and I was creeped out. That's basically what a three-month engagement would be, no, though. Right? Because you'd have, they'd have not. to say, I love you, within like a couple weeks. And, and then they get married. Did, they didn't say, I love you. <sighs> Um, Anywho, The Crown, highly recommend. <laughs> if you're going to watch season four for the Diana stuff, you need to watch season three for the Charles and Camilla backstory. I might I might do that by the next podcast. Do it. It's I highly recommend it. Um, His Dark Materials is incredible. Oh, it's so good. Lin-Manuel Miranda. We, we just have to continue to stand. Um, and because we have football on in the background, um, my TC Horn Frogs won. Uh, Kate's Rice Owls oh. shut out a ranked opponent today on the road. Ooh, ooh. No, uh, for <laughs> real though, the Rice Owls beat Marshall. Which I get it. Look, they're really they're barely in a ranked team. But you don't understand. Marshall is historically pretty good, and Rice. There's a football not, movie about them. Rice um, is not good at football. No, no, not since like they are, 1950s. They are Ivy League adjacent. Yep, and not really Ivy League benefits. So right. So uh, we <laughs> are the university that you go to if you don't want to leave home in Texas. Basically, it's true. Um, so. <laughs> The thing is... Great education. We're not knocking it. Oh, I love it. I'm so <laughs> glad I went there. I am a very proud Rice Owl, but it was a big moment for us because uh, not only did we beat a top 25 team... It's huge to shut out a ranked anybody, opponent. Anybody. Anyone. Anybody. Ranked, at any level. They just, didn't kick a field goal! <laughs> like, I, was I was telling Kate, when I was a freshman at TCU, we played Texas Tech, and this was before TCU was in the Big 12... Um, not a single touchdown. That's all crazy. field goals. It was 12-3, TCU won. It was all field goals. And that's boring. I will never forget that game because it was all field goals. Anyway, college football, it's a weird year. We're going to take the joy where we can, and today was a good day for our teams. <laughs> yep. Go, Rice. <laughs> Yay. I give you a proud football alum. <laughs> Anywho. Um, also, final pop culture consumption, TikTok as always. I I got myself a Marvel Funko Pop pocket pop, whatever you the it's tiny cool. ones. It's the cool. tiny ones. Um, advent calendar, and I am making TikToks every day when I open the little door and figure out who I've got. So far, I got Iron Man, Cap, Thor, Thor, Hulk, and today I got Spider-Man. By the way. This is not during my section. I didn't write this down in the script, but I really want to shout out Mina Kimes because Mina Kimes was the badass girl. For one, she is in NFL Live as a football analyst, even though she's a female. Oh. Um, Girls she, know about football. She basically won 
Uh, who wants to be a millionaire for Dave Chang, who we just found out is on the Gilmore Girls uh, reboot. But um, Dave Chang was the first person to celebrity to win a million dollars on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. And he did so by calling Mina Kimes to ask her a question about presidents. And uh, if you didn't know, Benjamin Harrison was the first president to have electricity in the White House, even though he never turned on a light switch. Because both he and his wife were terrified they would get shocked. Fascinating. Exactly. Thank you, Mina Kimes, for uh, teaching us all this lesson. The more you know. And uh, I had to shout that out because that's another pop culture consumption. We love that. All right, anyway. so uh, are we good to go on to the main segment? We are ready. I will say we've had a lot of banter today, guys, so I uh, hope you enjoy that stuff. So let's get started. Francis, what's your theory today? My theory is that there is absolutely no way, mathematically, I did math for this, what? that North America has one wizarding school and that it's not even in New Orleans, Louisiana. Wait, what? Is that where Ilvermorny? Ilvermorny is Ilvermorny. like somewhere in the the northeast. Yeah, like in Maine or it's, something. It's at Harvard, basically. Harvard. No, it's Yale. Yale. Yale has a college system like Rice. Yale and Rice are both the wizard schools. Sorry. Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so there's absolutely no way that North America has only, for all of North America, Canada, the U.S., Mexico. All of North America has one wizarding school? Hell no. Do you know what the population is? Because I looked it up and I do. I'm going to tell you. Today. Um, also, if there was only one wizarding school in North America, it would be in New Orleans. Voodoo. We're, we'll get into it. Ooh, I like this. Um, so this has a lot of math, and I could be off a few thousand here and there. So forgive me. COVID is happening. COVID is happening. Um, <laughs> Sorry. That was dark but i do have we're talking about wizards i have i have jokes too i'm i'm voldemort today (laughs) or are you i mean i'm sorry do not say my name are you grogu (laughs) i mean that's true wrong 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 fandom let's keep going (laughs) anyway so this has a lot of math i could be off a few thousand here and there but the theory remains there's absolutely no way that the entirety of north america has one wizarding school Tell me why. Here's the evidence to back my theory with a focus on the U.S. Because math is hard and I like the U.S. So yay nepotism. Is that nepotism? Anyway. What about Justin Trudeau? We're not talking about Canada right now. Okay. He is a wizard though. Oh, definitely. (laughs) He has not aged since going into office where every president that has ever gone into the United States office has aged at least least 15 years, three months in. Anywho. Okay. So there are roughly... 13,500 wizards in the UK. Hmm. Based on um, some author's assertion that there are a thousand Hogwarts students any given year. Only a thousand? Yeah, pre-Wizarding War II. So in oh. Harry's year, Harry, Harry's seven years, there are fewer than a Good. thousand. Good. Okay, that makes more sense. Um, so with the UK population being nearly 67,000, or not 60, y'all. 67 million. Makes more sense. The UK population is nearly 67 million. That means that point zero 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 two percent of the UK population are wizards. Okay. That is a small, tiny little fraction. Um, I don't even know how to say that decimal out loud. That's why I counted the four zeros in front of the two. Um... So, like I said, I'm going to focus on the U.S. because it's a smaller number. It's still a giant number. But the bigger the number, the harder the math is. So we're going to focus solely on the U.S., but my theory remains the same. Well, it's basically, it's just uh, comparative uh, statistics. So uh, apply the same application to both Canada and Mexico, and you will be able to create a similar fraction. Yes. So the U.S. population is roughly... 382 million, which is over 5.7 times the population of the UK. Just for scale, if you want to do the math on your own while you're listening, or if you want to pause it and do the math, the North American population four years ago was 579 million. (laughs) 
Okay. It's gotten larger. Of course. Present pandemic excluded. And even then. Um, it's only it's only the United States is having problems with pandemic. I mean, Canada's not doing great. Mexico's really not doing great. U.S. is just a whole clusterfuck of its own. Um, so if we are to keep the same percentage of wizards, that means there are roughly 76,400 wizards in the United States. Expand that to all of North America, and we're looking at 115, almost 116,000 wizards. So that's where my expansion to North America is going to stop. One-tenth the population of Montana. (laughs) (laughs) So even if we triple the class sizes at wizarding schools in the U.S. to 3,000 per school, which is roughly the population of a mid-sized 6A Texas high school... Or Rice University when I joined that university. Um, there would need to be at least 25 schools across the United States to educate the wizards. We're going to assume that not every wizard goes to school and some get homeschooled. We're going to say there's wow, there needs to be at least 20 schools to educate the, Amer- the U.S. population of wizards. I mean, wait, 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 real quick. Not to challenge your math at all, because math is not my strong suit, especially after three glasses of wine. Um, Are we assuming that every wizard is in school at the same time? No, that's why I said... Because the parents should have already graduated. No, yeah, I've already... already, Okay, that's all taken out, you guys. I figured that already. Okay, good. We're... Keep that in mind, everybody. I'm asking the questions you're asking at home. You're welcome. No, I, I... I started this theory a while ago, so I don't remember all of my math, but I do remember that I took out two parents out, out of each one yeah. child, probably. I based it I based it on the number of students at school and not Not everyone is a Weasley family. Right. So uh we do not expect there to be multiple children represented. We do by not expect every everyone to have seven children. Nope. Definitely not. Okay, so we bump it down to we still need at least 20 schools across the United States. Oh, the Quidditch World Cup would be so much fun. The Quidditch American Cup sounds bomb as fuck. Yeah. So I get that New Orleans is quote unquote new compared to Maine or wherever the hell Ilvermorny is supposed to be. But with the history of voodoo, there is absolutely no way that there's not a, at least one school in the United States South and that it's not New Orleans. I'm going to say there's probably at least three schools in the American South because we are heavily populated down here. It's true. Um, So anyway, back to voodoo. Louisiana voodoo traces its roots back to the early 18th century. Ilvermorny was supposedly founded in 17th century, which we have, I have other notes on. Um, It's entirely plausible that the New Orleans school would have been the quote unquote second wizarding school in North America. I say second in quotations, because, because it is more likely that indigenous Americans had a school or two long before Ilvermorny was founded. Especially because Manifest Destiny wasn't a thing for another century. And that's after voodoo. And to add the conspiracy theory slash uh, I've listened to a lot of murder podcasts. Uh, we still don't know what happened at Roanoke. And that could easily be a location that could have already had something because literally the population vanished into thin air with absolutely zero bodies They were found. all wizards. They're oh. all in the school. Anyway. Oh, they were recruited. recruited. <laughs> um, I also question why the school in South America was founded around the same time as Hogwarts, the 10th century. And why was it 700 years before the first North American school was founded? Absolutely not. There were people here long before then. Yeah, and also they can fly and they can apparate. So why there's, wouldn't they apparate to another? There's literally so much wrong on so many levels with some author claiming that there's only one North American school and that it would be in Maine of all places. Also, like, when you really think about this, even, like, I'm not trying to dissuade this whole argument. Uh, Even England had both Oxford and Cambridge for, like, the non-Muggle folk, you know? 
why wouldn't there be a competing competition to Hogwarts? France is not that far. So why does Europe have three wizarding schools? Yeah. Like, I get, like, Durmstrang is in Romania or wherever. It's far away from the UK and France and, like, the main part of Europe that we all think of. However, there are three European schools and there's one North American school. No way. Do we think that this is, like, an Ivy League adjacent situation where there are actually, like, 30 uh, wizard schools in Europe, but they're, like... Three big ones were in the Goblet of Fire. I mean, that's very, very plausible. The Tri-Wizard Cup, we're like, oh, we care about this. Where it's actually like all the people who are good at Quidditch are actually in the other. It's just Yale, Princeton, and Harvard, basically. (laughs) Or if you're in the SEC, it's just Alabama, LSU, and Georgia. Yep, basically, okay? So that's what we're seeing here. Anywho, continue. Anyway, so that's my theory. New Orleans for sure has to have a school. So where do we think some of the other schools are, at least in the U.S.? And I'm, for those of you outside of the U.S. in Mexico and Canada, I would love to hear your theories about where your other schools might be. Um, but my theories on where the other, where some of the other schools could be, New Orleans, obviously. Yep. There's without a doubt. There's without no a way. Doubt. Voodoo. It's huge. I think Alaska is very likely to have I one. I was actually thinking the same thing. I think New Mexico probably has one. Okay. I think there's one that's Texas Panhandle, Oklahoma, Plains E. Hmm. Um, I think there's one in Washington. Okay. I think there's one in like a <laughs> random Iowa cornfield. Do we think that Bella and uh, Edward went to the one in Washington? Listen, I'm not ruling out Forks, Washington. Okay. Makes sense. Makes um, sense. I think there's one in a random Iowa cornfield. Okay, okay. <laughs> Kevin Costner, calm down, okay? He loves Montana now. He does not love Iowa anymore. I think there's one at Glacier National Park. Yes, Montana! <laughs> we represent! Because Glacier's really close to the Canada border, so I think it's very plausible that that is like an international school that hosts Canadian and um, U.S. American It's not a far students. drive. It's not a far drive. We are very open people, and people don't know if we're part of Canada or not in Montana. So that makes sense on brand. I think one in Utah on the Great Salt Lake is very possible. (laughs) Are they very into religion, too? I don't know. Well, religion notwithstanding, because we don't even know if wizards are Christian or (gasps) supposedly there's one Jewish kid at Hogwarts. New theory! Um, That's another episode. Um, I think there's one in... uh, on a great lake, like in Michigan. I think there's one in Appalachia. I think that Great Lakes one is the reason why the Los Angeles Lakers are still named after the Great Lakes, even though they are in California. The Wizards did it? The Wizards did it. Not the Washington Wizards. No. (laughs) John Wall is not a rocket, by the way. And I think there's one in the Redwood Forest, because those trees are big as fuck. Oh my gosh, they really are. Okay. It would be the perfect place to hide a wizard. That's school. what I'm saying. It really would be. So, obviously, I focused a lot on the American West. I think there's a lot of potential because that's very unpopulated land in general to hide a wizarding school. There's probably one around Atlanta, Georgia, because that is a very heavily populated area of the United States. But these are my big theories of where schools could be. Kate, do you have any theories about where some schools could be? I absolutely love the fact that we have nothing in Florida. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Screw you, Florida. Maybe. No. Maybe, maybe Universal Studios okay, I, is nope, the nope. entrance to the Florida Wizarding School. No, you guys. <laughs> Florida, you have so many serial killers. There is absolutely zero reason why you would have a wizarding school there. Uh, it makes me also think that Washington might not have a wizarding school because otherwise you wouldn't have so many serial killers either. Yes, I just did a crossover episode without even doing a crossover episode because I'm sorry, I have to bring that into this whole like, oh, there's unpopulated land in these places. Uh, that's where all the serial killers usually are found. (laughs) So I'm going to bring that back. Remember, I listened to 16 hours straight of my favorite murder. Anyway, that's my theory that there are at least 20 wizarding schools in the United States alone. I mean, I could see it at least having five. I think 20 is where they are definitely trying to make sure that people don't have to travel too far. We don't have a good train system here. You guys have to keep that in mind, right? In England, at least they had the train station in, in place. Uh, I will admit... 
Flathead Lake up in Montana does have a train station because I took a train there to California for a swim meet once. Not lying, even. <laughs> so uh, that actually is a really good location in Montana if there were to be a train that would take you to uh, a Hogwarts-adjacent uh, learning establishment. Um, I do think that uh, New Orleans as a location is really important because uh, similar to why I hate the Utah Jazz as a name and as a franchise, New Orleans has given uh, the United States a different level of personality and so much culture. Voodoo is very important to that area and I, while I don't personally practice the religion, I think it's important to recognize what it provides and that would be the type of area where because they already have a culture ingrained in it based off of the non-Muggle folk, it could easily be a location where wizards could live. And I'm sorry, I'm not going to call it a nomad, you guys. I'm not. No. No, we're Muggles too. We, um, we stand the word Muggles over nomad. What the fuck is that? But anywho, <laughs> uh, I I really I really strongly support at least two because of that, um, and then some of these other areas. Enough has happened there that yeah, why not? Redwood Forest, like those Redwood trees forest. are huge. That's, There's no way that they're not hiding a wizarding school. That there. is the perfect location <laughs> to find a wizarding school. So anyway, that is my theory. Where, like, I'm totally, I would love to hear some Canadian uh, spots, well, some spots in Mexico. Tell it, me, tell me your thoughts. Like, all of the great, uh, like, Mexican art. Mm. Like, tell me there's not Frida some. Kahlo. Tell me there's not some wizards, like, building some pyramids down in Mexico. Like, oh, the Aztec. We're going to start claiming the Aztec are wizards. It actually is on brand, too, you guys, because we can't <laughs> explain those things. Um, there's no reason why an Aztec person should all of a sudden trust Cortez. Um, <laughs> anywho. Or was Cortez the wizard? Bad one. Guys, anyway. No, too many theories. Too many theories. We're moving on to our next segment. Wait, wait, wait. Real quick. Just to call out before we go. Um... If you disagree with Francis and you do think that there's only one wizarding school, please provide the math to support your argument as well. Yeah, I did math, so you yeah. have to do math. Yeah, it's called, uh, we all learn this in algebra. You have to do a theory, right? What's, what's it called where you do like the whole math equation where you have to say like, this is my hypothesis. These are the three supporting and then, oh gosh, you can't remember. Sorry, that sorry, Mr. Like, Humberger. That sounds like an English paper. No, it was Algebra 2. I can't remember exactly, but there was some matrix oh, associated Lord, that with was it. a uh, long time ago. Mr. Humberger, you are fantastic. I will give you respect at all times. But um, before we go, I just want to also call out, like, if you're not in the United States, if you're not in England... If you're in Europe and you don't think there's only three, please provide your supporting like, details. Like, I am... Africa, you started the world. Tell us where your, your different wizards yeah, are. Yeah, I think there's supposed to only be one in Africa, which yeah, is bullshit, that's bullshit, too. There are 70-plus countries in Africa. And they are the origin of humans. It's not so. so. Anywho, uh, tell us where your your wizard schools are. No, we do not believe Putin runs one, so Russia, no. don't try. Um, thank you. That's our theory, or your theory. Yeah, that's that's my theory. I'm sticking to it, and I would love to hear your ideas of where some schools are across the world, honestly. Um, but, like, honestly, super interested because I did a little bit of the math for you in Canada and Mexico. Yeah, let's hear it. Um, so, on to the song segment. Woo! Kate's going to start us off while I try to figure out a song. Okay, so, everybody, if you don't remember what this segment's about... Basically, uh, one of my theories in life, and this is the one that I'm not ready for you guys to try to prove or disprove, because there's nothing you're going to say that can convince me otherwise, is that there is a Taylor Swift song for everything. That is one of my beliefs, and I do believe it even more after seeing the folklore-based uh, documentary, so don't try. Anywho, what Francis and I try to do during this song game segment is we try to Use a song that we have listened to recently or is just really reflective of our own lives. And 
we uh, then say why that song matters to us. So I am going to start. I mentioned this band earlier. It's Scott Bradley's Postmodern Jukebox. And the song that I love and kind of the one that actually introduced me to the band is the Seven Nation Army song. Seven Nation Army as a song, no matter who sings it or who plays it, is so good. So good. Um, I really want this song to actually be on our playlist because we have that Spotify playlist. So I am um, suggesting this song as a public service announcement. And it's really just a badass song. Um, I actually found out from, found out about this. Uh, <laughs> I sound like a broken record, you guys. It's on Lin-Manuel Miranda's uh, voting playlist that he suggested that you could listen to while you wait to vote. Um for us, voting only took like five minutes, so I didn't get to listen to a soundtrack while I waited in line. But um, yeah, this song introduced me to this band, and in general, having it to listen to while I work, because I've been working a lot, has actually really defined a lot of my current experience. So that's why I suggest it as my current soundtrack. What about you, Francis? Speaking of Hugh Grant. Ah, oh, yes. I believe it was... The Great Year of Our Lord, 2007, when a fun little movie called Music and Lyrics, starring Hugh Grant and Drew Barrymore, came out. Hugh Grant played a washed-up pop singer, a la Wham. Exactly Wham. It is Wham, you guys! So, last Christmas! No, sorry. Um, and so, Twitter, this week or last week, um, asked, had a trend asking for the best fake songs from TV and movies and music and lyric lyrics gave us pop goes my heart. Oh yes. And it is the most ridiculous parody of a boy band song that you will ever hear, but it's also a really good song. And it's a, it sounds like a wham song. Oh, 100%. It's like a total rip off of wham. It's really good though. And uh, once again, you're going to see Hugh Grant do more hit thrusts, all the uh, love, actually. And he hurts himself. It, highly recommend Music and Lyrics. It's a fun rom-com. Go find Music and Lyrics. I am listen so to the entire soundtrack. But if you only listen to one song, listen to Pop Goes My Heart, and it will be on our Spotify playlist. I cannot wait. Thank you so much <laughs> for this uh, <laughs> this uh song and our playlist is getting better you guys so um thank you guys so much for joining us um tell us what do you think about francis's theory do you agree or do you disagree do you have any idea of where another wizarding school could be or uh, do you have a theory keep the conversation going and visit us on twitter at pod theory or send us a line from our website theorythepod.com We've started a playlist on Spotify of all the songs we discuss. I will be adding our holiday songs as well. Um, just to make it a little more eclectic than it already was. Oh, yeah. Um, link is in the About section and on our website. And I tweet it from our Twitter account on occasion. Um, we're also on Instagram at TheoryThePod. And we look forward to continuing this dialogue with you in future episodes. Uh, if you're looking to find us or recommend us to your friends, we are on Spotify. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and many other podcasting platforms. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today or, or in other episodes, please tell a friend. Telling friends helps us grow, and as marketing professionals, we know that word of mouth is crazy valuable. Please rate us, rate and review us in the words of our favorite podcast, Binge Mode, five stars only. That helps get the word out about our podcast, and we appreciate it more than you know. This podcast is hosted by Kate Chura and Francis Key. Theory is produced by Francis Key and Kate Chura. Theory is edited by Francis Key, and all of our sound effects are provided by Anchor. Thanks, guys. See you bye. next time. Bye. 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 bye.